0: Hello and welcome to Grey Eye and Disability Arts Online's podcast, Disability And, bringing together thoughtful discussion and debate.
1: This month, Sandra Allen talks with Shafiq Ghaffar, Mattie Kennedy and Kate Lauder about disability, the working class and LGBTQIA+.
2: Welcome to Disability and dot dot dot. I'm Sandra Allen, guest editor at Disability Arts Online, from 30th of March to 26th of April. I'm here today in a gloriously sunny Glasgow. <laughs> I just asked everybody about the weather before we started because when I wrote this, I thought you never know. I can always hope, and this morning there was some sun, but. Anyway, we are not in a gloriously sunny Glasgow, (laughs) (laughs) but I'm with gloriously sunny people. Um, So I'm here with Shafiq Gaffour, Maddie Kennedy, and Kate Lauder. We're in the lovely accessible buildings with genderless toilets at Rock Villa National Theatre of Scotland, next to the Glasgow Canal. And we're going to have a wee chat about things relevant to disability and dot 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 working class LGBTQIA+. So that's lesbian, gay, bisexual, trans, queer or questioning, intersex, asexual, and related identities. And I also have to add, in brackets, in Scotland, wow. because <laughs> everyone yeah. here is from Scotland. Um, so we'll chat about what it's like for some disabled artists in Scotland who are also queer and or trans, and also from working class, working poor, or skinned experiences, backgrounds, and cultures. So I'm thrilled to bring you these three artists. First of all, we have Shafiq Ghafoor, and um, the bio says, Shafiq Ghafoor does not do binaries. When asked about their race, sexuality, gender, or class, they tend to respond with, in quotes, a bit of both. They are fascinated by music, dance, and physical activity. They dance with a couple of community groups and exercise with trans for motion, an exercise group for trans and non-binary people. Kate Lauder has had an on-off career in theatre, film, and TV for over 27 years. She has qualifications in script writing for film and television, television production, and technical theatre. Kate is transgender, working class, and bisexual, and has a stammer and depression. After recent sacrifices and changes, she hopes to reignite her passion for community arts work. Maddie Kennedy is an artist, filmmaker, and writer. Living and working in Glasgow, they have so far made four short films, their most recent one being Enid and Valerie. Their films range from animation to LGBTQIA+, to learning disability subjects. Hi everyone, and welcome. Hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> so I want to talk with you a bit today about why you make art, what kinds of arts projects and communities you're into, and want to have more of in the world. And what future we can dream together. So I'm going to start with a question for Shabique. Mm. <laughs> 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 I've known you to be a singer of traditional Scottish songs, a samba dancer, and also into fiber arts. What draws you to art right now, and particularly community arts?
3: Well, I've always been into art and music. Um, it's less of a thing that I do as um, activity or actions and more something that I've realised is very important to maintaining a good quality of life it's, it's being a dancer and dancing, singing, performing in front of groups of people gives me more energy than I put into it mm-hmm. um, I really really love doing things where you wind up you get something back from at the end you get something from an audience you get something from a random person walking down the street because i'm practicing my dance moves at the bus stop <laughs> 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 um, you wind up with a, you know something a knitted garment or a skein of yarn at the end it's it's doing something for you get something back at the end that's beautiful
2: Can you you tell me a little bit about how you
3: got into samba? Started with when I was doing activities with um, a group in Edinburgh called Beltane Fire Festival, which is a seasonal festival. Um, And I realised after taking part in it several times that doing a seasonal event when you have seasonal depression (laughs) was really exacerbating my mental health so I wanted to do something where I got to do performance okay. that was all year round <laughs> um, so I did a taster with um, the samba school started as a drummer um, and then I did a taster with a dance teacher that we had um, come to one of our weekends away and I realised then that I had to do this um, it just Yeah, made something changed in my soul. Um, And interesting, this was about four or five years before I transitioned. Um, And starting to dance and do that made me realize that how much discomfort I had in my body, which itself led to a couple of instances of dysphoria, which led me to realize that I needed to transition. (laughs) Which, yeah. It's, I know people who do things the other way around. They get into doing some kind of artistic or performance thing after transitioning, you know, being that of changing the person mm. and changing what kind of things you want to do. Whereas mm. I, me being me, I do things backwards. Yeah. <laughs> um, but doing samba has been really, really fascinating, not just for me as a person who enjoys dancing and having the opportunity to flirt with random people, which <laughs> I absolutely do. Um, but also, Samba, coming from Brazil, um, and of course we're a diverse group in Scotland, we have some contact and connection with um, groups in Brazil, in Sao Paulo, in Recife. Um, but getting the chance to learn the history and hearing that different, um, the different ways in which um, colonialism, imperialism, and race have affected in a different country, in a different space, was really important for me coming to terms with myself as a person of colour mm-hmm. living in Scotland. Mm-hmm. Where there are not very, there are many people of colour, but not always also queer and disabled and also Muslim. So yeah, um, come to terms with identities that are expected to be so disparate and disconnected. Um, so Samba has yeah changed my life seriously. That's brilliant, thank you. Um, Kate, you're passionate about
2: theatre and film and like Shafiq you're into community focused Mm. arts Um, can you tell us about some of your community work and your dreams? I mean you were telling me a bit about like work you did uh, with LGBT health Mm. Um, I don't know if that's something you want to talk about
0: Well I started um, um, I started doing the voluntary you LGBT health, um, after a period of being a carer for my mum as she was passing away, and also sort of coming this back, as I was starting my tradition, really, because um, I worked in theatre and film and whatever else. Much all my life really, right, uh, yeah. but but just uh, but but it was always on and off on and off on and off and it's still came to the same now, um, mm-hmm. and just around the <laughs> working it was events and 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 um, it just made me feel like myself again after a period of not being me and having to sacrifice everything for the folk and um, and just start to take my life back again Uh for me Um, and also in doing that I was still helping the folk Uh um, which is a big part of me as well. But I found also, with, with Karen, um, that it takes a big toll on you, um, and I'm still struggling to get my head around all that, and, uh,
2: it's a lot, yeah. it's a lot. You, when we chatted um, last week, <laughs> after that terrible film we will not mention, No <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you you talked about um, having some dreams of, of doing like community arts yeah. and that sort of thing in your future. And um, is that something that is sort of taking form for you, or is it something that's sort of like it's still kind very of empty?
0: Yeah, um, it's still very much. A dream. Um, I started off um, doing a work experience. Play for, uh, um, um, but it was fifteen on a um, on production, and I just fell in love with the whole with the whole thing. Then um, and the and the, and the, and the morning I don't remember most of the time, it. Was, it was the first day of it, um, and I was very stressed. out That put the but the highlight was that day was when he was um, um, holding up um, this flat, um, it's, a, it's a carpenter attached to, 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 to the floor, to, 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 to the police drum, uh, and so I was like, yeah, this actually isn't that glamorous, it's just folk doing a job, it's just, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's folk telling dirty jokes, it's folk, Um if just try to do um, the thing in a creative way. Um,
2: and you are saying to me that like you, yeah. would, you would like to start, you know, some sort of um, company yeah, where you could, yeah. you could offer help to like, yeah. people starting out and things yeah. like that? That's
0: yeah, and that's because uh, I worked a lot with film video and also, um, uh-huh. um also, uh, um, um so that um uh started, um with the media? in Edinburgh and and this is also well before that I worked on, Community theater, mm-hmm. the bits and stuff. So it was just, it was a very easy transfer um, of mm-hmm. skills and, um, yeah, I just teach you like a of day water really. Um, <laughs> That's
2: brilliant. I think you'd be great a great mentor. I think maybe a bit later we okay. can talk about. Um, we can come back to maybe this idea yeah. of like what our dream of like a project in Scotland might be like yeah. for you know for working class queer and trans communities, mm-hmm. like. And and skin people, what kind of um, space we'd like to see, and you know maybe dream big yeah. as well. Because I think you know we talked about that too. We can kind of limit ourselves because yeah. we can feel kind of like disheartened.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> st- context was just community-based. Um, from. Um, production, it was based in West Pilton, um, a rough Catholic state in the north of Edinburgh. Um, um, and they made jockey. Um, short films, the occasional feature film uh, they worked on, uh, filmed various events and stuff and just. Kinds of things, and I just loved that bite there because it taught me um, a lot of things, uh, technically, and I'd also personally, <laughs> <laughs> as well. Um, um, but it made me or, or a, but yeah, seeds, when I started out there, um, I had big dreams of obviously going to Holloway being a big writer <laughs> right, right director, but, um, uh, but the light got in the way and then I started thinking, well, even if I was that successful, I would, you know me, make sure I made enough cash uh, and, uh, and then just to, to disappear back home mm-hmm. and make things I'm like, I, really interested in uh, doing and seeing yeah. uh-huh. uh, uh, and, and that also involved helping other folk put their things and from and in front of, in front of so that's their dream to set up a small theatre and film (laughs) production company Mm -hmm. Um, um, which would be I would say I guess kind of a facilitator kind of Mm -hmm. Um, um, uh, uh, would actually let folk do their own thing whether it's a film a documentary, a stage play, a radio play—whatever they want—and just let them just have their say.
2: Right. That's brilliant. I hope it happens. Let's keep. <laughs> let's keep scheming. <laughs> <laughs> um, Maddie, oh gosh, I think I last saw you in October. Mm-hmm. Is that true? That's terrible. Um, when your short film *Enid and Valerie* was showing at the Fab Oscar Bright Learning Disabled Film Festival in Brighton, as part of Matthew Hallett's Queer Freedom Programme. Uh, for our listeners and readers, Maddie made Enid and Valerie with animator Victoria Bastos, and it's this wonderful short film about a femme witch's tea party slash incantation. <laughs> <laughs> okay, description. Um, you can check it out online. And Maddie, uh, I thought maybe you could talk a wee bit about queer freedom and what it means to you to have a queer, learning disabled film community. Alright, I'm just going
1: to get stuck right in. right, Um, get
2: stuck in. Oh, oh, they're rolling up the sleeves. Right.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I have to kind of go back a little bit Uh, to 2015 um, and also just a little sort of introduction to listeners to Oscar Bright. Oscar Bright is a film festival that started up in 2004 and it was started up by Learning Disabled. Um, filmmakers who were frustrated at the climate of the fact that there weren't enough I don't know like not enough spaces or not enough representation for learning disabled filmmakers so yeah in 2004 they decided right let's start up our own let's start up our own little film festival and they did and it started off as a one day film festival and they you know they screened films by learning dis- disabled filmmakers and it also featured like a lot of the films also featured learn disabled sort of subjects, um, and yeah, it's kind of grown from that really, and I think it's just bloody brilliant that they've been able to to keep that going for such a long time. It's also um a biannual festival. It's not on every year. It's once every two years. Mm-hmm. Oh, I oh yeah, and the the sort of actual festival committee is also made up of people with learning disabilities, and it's not just it's not just Featuring people, it was made. It was made by people with learning disabilities for people with learning disabilities, which I think got such a unique take to it. Yeah, in 2015, I first went. It was my first visit down to Oscar Bright, and I think I got I got funding from Creative Scotland, don't get me wrong, like I was really nervous because it was like my first time getting <laughs> funding so no I was pressure, just like, no I, I, was, I was like so, so nervous oh, but God. they managed, they managed to get, they managed to give me a, a God knows, God knows how they managed to but they did, because yeah. um, I know that they can be really, like, the sort of arts funding system can be really, really, like, they don't give out money unless they really, really need to, but, um, but I, I suppose that's just the way the system is. Um, but yeah, 2015, um, and it was just, honestly, that visit was just, it was such a breathtaking experience. Sorry for being so cheesy about it, but it really was, but, (laughs) um, yeah, yeah, it was just like a whole bunch of just learning disabled sort of filmmakers and creatives just in this one space, watching, like, learning disability sort of filmmaking, And and I was just like, wow, like... This is bloody brilliant. Um, my film, I think it was my second film, just me that got screened there, um, and it was seeing it on that on that screen in front of like you know a community that I'm a part of was just a really really great feeling. Um, um, also, Sarah Gordy, who's a, an amazing um, artist, she did the keynote speech um, at that edition of the festival, um, and she was just she was great as well. Um, and it's actually where I met Matthew Heller, um, where, I mean, that's kind of where the basis of our sort of working relationship kind of took off. And we just, we hung out one night um, with the film, the film committee um, and we just, we kind of talked over like um, sort of Chinese food and um, we just talked about our identities as LGBTQ+ learning disabled filmmakers because he's a filmmaker too he made a really great film called mrs mrs. Sparkle mm-hmm. and it's just about his sort of drag alter ego mrs. Sparkle and how how h- how his dragal ego brings him a sort of happiness mm-hmm. and how it kind of brings him into the world as a sort of yeah such a good film such a good film um and yeah I mean that's That kind of meeting also, that sprang forth a sort of a side project of events called the Matthew and Matthew events, which took place in Brighton. And the second one took place in my hometown of Glasgow, and that was the Glasgow Short Film Festival that that took place in. Um, really, really good crowd. Like, a lot of my friends actually came down to support me during that event, so I was like, I I didn't even send out invitations, (laughs) what's going on here? Like, literally. Um, But yeah, that was brilliant. Um, And also Brighton, Brighton is where Matthew lives, so it was kind of like, one event in his hometown, one event in my hometown, which was really, really great. Um, And yeah, obviously the Queer Freedom Strand, which um, you, brought up. and um, that started in two thousand and seventeen. Mm-hmm. Um at the not the last one, 'cause that was the la the last festival was just there, but the festival before. Um Matthew Matthew just had the idea for it. He was just like, right, we need we need an LGBTQ plus strand for not just learning disabled film but l- not just for LGBTQ plus learning disabled filmmakers, but for LGBTQ plus learning disabled film. Mm-hmm. As yeah. well, yeah. so they weren't just including filmmakers; they were also including just the films itself, like the representation within the films, um, which was really, really good.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and yeah, like Matthew's like a total cultural advocate in terms of that. Like he was really pushing for it, and he, you know he obviously got it. And. You know, he was just really, really... Like, I, could, I could just tell how proud he was. Mm-hmm. Um, also, I got to do the keynote speech mm-hmm. for that year to open up the inaugural strand, which I was bricking myself about. <laughs> I, like, I, I spent, like, a fortnight doing the <laughs> keynote speech, like, two weeks just every day, writing down, writing down, because, I mean, I had sleepless nights doing it, because I was just like... <laughs> like cause I'm cool. like, it has to be a good keynote speech, because, you know, it's a keynote speech. You can't, really, can't really be, like, a slow you know, Can't speech, yeah, much. I know, but <laughs> yeah. no, but I've, I've re- I mean, like, literally I got, like, a standing ovation from people at, That's at, after the speech, so it was just like, oh my god, like, it was just such a, like, that edition of the festival was just such a groundbreaking sort of event, like, mm-hmm. you know, it was like, it was kind of like the first time, well, I, I don't, I, I'm not a fan of, of saying first, but it was kind of like, maybe not the first time, but it, it just felt like a sort of time where, it was a vital time where... LGBTQ plus learning disabled filmmakers and just LGBT learning disabled uh, sort of films were being at the forefront of a festival Mm -hmm. that is so so accommodating and so inclusive because you don't it's not every day you get to hear or see LGBTQ plus learning disability representation being shown within a film festival yeah it's really rare um yeah (laughs) it's really really rare, rare and um Yeah, it was just, I mean, I remember actually going back to the first festival. It was, like, I remember going back home, and I I got really, really emotional going back on the coach, going back home. And I was just like, oh, you know, I really, really needed this. You know, I I needed to be here. It was just so vile. And I remember um, Lizzie, on the last night of my first visit to the festival, she kind of looked at me, and she's like, "You you, you know, we're a community now. You're part of a community now. You know, it's important that you, that your voice is heard. And that kind of... I mean, I, I went back to my hotel that night and I just started crying. I was like, oh, it's so lovely. You know, but, you know... I shout, shout out to Lizzie and David and Matthew and the rest of the Oscar Bright gang. Big shout out to them. Hi, everyone. <laughs> but, um, yeah, you know, I, just, I think the work that they've done and the work that Matthew's done as a sort of cultural advocate is really, really, really great and they deserve all the praise. And it's not even that, like, it's not just LGBTQ plus learning disability representation they're working on, they're also working on representation for BAME learning disabled Mm -hmm. films and filmmakers, and they're also working on representation for female learning disabled Mm -hmm. filmmakers and sort of films. So that kind of just shows the sort of willingness Mm -hmm. to grow and to learn and to really like no we don't want it just to be learning disabled we want it to be kind of inclusive of all the
3: and and doing that actively working on bringing in groups who would even be marginalised within Mm -hmm. that community Mm -hmm. Um, and not waiting until Mm -hmm. people are going there are all these amazing films that no one is looking at Mm -hmm. and that's something which I think is incredible in Mm -hmm. these types of spaces Mm -hmm. where, you know, you've got a group who are a minority within a minority who are Mm -hmm. often forgotten or left out or left to be an afterthought. We've got, oh, we've got a little bit of learning disability support Mm -hmm. here. Mm -hmm. Um, And when you take that and give, or when a group takes that space Mm -hmm. and makes it their own Mm -hmm. and makes something wonderful out of it is really really
1: powerful. Yeah definitely, I definitely agree, definitely.
3: I went for the first
2: time this year to see Queer Freedom, mm-hmm. saw you there, and like I, it was one of the most uh, brilliant places I've been, like just the, the whole vibe of the place from the moment you came in the door, you know, or even before I came in the door, they made sure everything was going to be just how it needed to be and people, you know, felt comfortable and. And yeah, seeing that power of people being in charge of their own space, and not just being like, because we've, you know, met each other at other events so mm-hmm. not Yeah, it. before but um, we're, we're, you know we're included as disabled people or learning disabled people at, as a, you know, a tick box strand, mm-hmm. as an afterthought, and it doesn't feel anything <laughs> the same, you know, like it's just sort of to say, oh, we did disability, and this this is the exact opposite of that. This mm-hmm. it was brilliant.
1: I think also the genuine fact that. For me, I, would, I think it was in 2015 that I was actually researching mm-hmm. learning disabled films or learning disabled filmmakers, and it was honestly the difficulty. Like, even typing in a Google, learning dis- LG, like queer learning disabled filmmakers, like that's like, yeah. like, like I g- good luck, Google. Uh, like, yes, um, yeah. but, um, or, or even just queer learning disabled films, it's like, I good luck, Google, I hope you, hope you find some treasure in there. But um, no, like, I actually found one film though, uh-huh. and it was. Um, I think it was actually screened at one of the queer freedom I think it was yeah. screened at the very first one in John and Michael yeah. I
2: programmed that film at uh, uh, Who's Your Dandy but it was years oh, ago really? yeah. names. I do not know yeah, that. yeah. yeah. no after it was mm, after queer mm, really? freedom really mm,
0: mm, Made animated film right
2: it's uh, animated yeah. yeah you saw it ah, really? yeah. 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 it's brilliant yeah Shira Abney. that's her name yeah. I think and obviously <laughs> and obviously
1: uh, Matthew's films I saw, I oh, saw wow. them Mrs. so I kind of yeah. felt some sort of isolation while trying to research.
2: Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, of I course. I because
1: I'm just like, well, where the, where the hell is all this stuff?
2: I have this uh, found poem from, like, 2006 mm-hmm. that is, Did you mean to search for Queer Plus Edinburgh Plus Trains? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah, 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 when yeah. I moved
2: to Edinburgh, that's when <laughs> I got, <laughs> when I searched, <laughs> so <somewhere, laughs> I feel, yeah, yeah. yeah. and I yeah. wasn't even adding in Disabled. Learning to say yeah. like, <laughs> no, but you know like, what I mean?
1: It's like no, the, sort of that, the sort of know, the algorithm, <laughs> algorithms or something,
2: uh, yeah, and I think also in Scotland too, there's yeah, mm-hmm. at that time, mm-hmm. but yeah, so things have things have moved um, in a positive direction, I think, mm-hmm. in some ways. I mean, it's not always that things get better, narrative, but <laughs> <laughs> that's definitely a case of yes, with Oscar Bright, uh, Kate. We had a great chat the other day Mm -hmm. about some of us um, not feeling like we're artists if we're not producing things, and I think Maddie and I, we've we've talked about that Mm -hmm. a bit too, Uh, like these feelings of unworthiness or not having something important to say, I think they can be really hard for artists um, when you have to work other jobs, and people who are disabled or ill in ways that affect energy, pacing, and pain, that can be Mm -hmm. especially hard. And I've been trying to personally reject the pressure to make finished products all the time, to think that... Like, art only matters most um, when it's something tangible that we have to promote or sell. Like, I've made a book or I've done this Mm -hmm. film. Um, um, Or when a so-called, you know, important person or festival approves our work in a a sort of official way, um, like a screening or publication. So I wanted to ask you, Kate, um, about your thoughts on that and what you feel. And it's a big question, yeah. but like, what what is the purpose of art? And I mean, you can start with like, what's the purpose of art for you? Um, it yeah. doesn't have to be answering it. <laughs> <you. laughs> what is the purpose? But why? Do, well, like, why do we make art? You know.
0: The purpose of art, f- <laughs> for me, sorry, from the through there, um, <coughs> as um as that. It's just not actually about the art, it's about the expression. Um, it's about someone having their say, whatever the topic is, whatever they need to say. Um, and th- 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 the art part only comes coming, coming into it if you do it in a so-called artistic way. Um, but I think essentially. We all, we all need to have our um, feelings and thoughts heard about things in some way, shape or form whether it's <laughs> dance or film or books or whatever, um, but also if you think about it, the drama classes at school, they most th- th- actually um, must getting th- um, th- 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 people to actually stand up in front of others, um, in front of the, uh, of the crowd and speak, and, th- and th- obviously th- th- the theatre yeah. speaks? speak some lines of dialogue, but if someone's got to say a job interview or they've got to make some kind of speech um, uh, if at if a, if a, if a rally or, uh, or, or at work, that training is really important. Um, um, uh, and also um, with my education and. Reading has struck me in the narrative generally, I suppose, um, that the human mind is adapted to um, learning things, listening to other opinions, or whatever, if things are tackled in And a way that's got some kind of structure to it a beginning, a middle, and an end, essentially. And and you've got to um, say, um, um, I'm currently learning French. Uh, At a certain point, it's just the basic words. Then you get onto slightly longer words, and longer words, and more complicated words, but still all messed at first. And you've got to Find some kind of narrative in your head that makes sense of that, so you can do it. Uh, uh, and it's also explicit to others as well. Mm-hmm.
2: I like that, it's like about finding the narrative. Yeah. 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 That's really cool. Yeah, you had said about like um, the idea of art existing, or, or as ideally art existing, to give people a voice yeah. as well. Um,
3: Did you want to talk about that at all? Oh, 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 oh. actually, yeah, (laughs) what you were saying about um, people um, creating art and producing things, putting their own voices out Mm. there, from my sort of thought process, that is putting your ideas, your thoughts out into the world is part of the human experience. It's part of being a social animal. Mm. And that, you know. Comes back to you know, my idea of getting that sort of give and take that you send something out into the world and you get something back. It may not be what you expected, but that's part of how communities come together and build one another around mm-hmm. people putting something of themselves into a work of art, a film, a piece of music, um, a dance choreography. Um, And that is what brings people together. Um, And and there's always that when you put something out there, when you step out in front of an audience, there's that intense vulnerability as well. And that's a very human thing. It's a thing that you don't really see in other animals. I mean, human beings are a type of animal, but, you know, that, that sort of vulnerability, that creation, that performance is something that you don't see in, well, to the same extent in, in certainly other primates. Uh,
0: yeah, yeah, um, uh, it things when where you watch, say, big politicians or powerful folk, uh, the start of their speeches or whatever... Doesn't matter, have experienced. They are. they are. You can always tell a slight wee moment of doubt um, down hesitation the start of what they say. Because that's just uh, human nature. Oh. And they and just try to sort of substitute their own audience, which currently, with politics, these days is a really scary right wing. I don't even want to think about or talk about But anyway. Uh, uh, essentially. Uh, yeah, essentially. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's the end of the way We can all
2: have of silent scream. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
3: yeah. Um, yeah. But that, that kind of hesitation, that of um, attempt to, when one is starting to you know, sort of mm. communicate, is mm. that something that you think um, is there a difference in how that happens when you're working in, you know, for example, film as opposed to live? That's not something that I um, have experience of, so mm. I'm yet yeah, asking.
0: Not really, no, b- b- because um, filming is really opting takes. Yeah. So it's the same, the same thing they are performing live, but in a more kind of fermented way, you just put it together later on. Yeah. I'm I'm
2: (laughs) 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 going to move on to a question for Matty. Um, I think feeling like a quote-unquote real or successful artist can also be tough for people who don't have access to mainstream arts networks. Um, it's framed as you know, something you'll achieve if you're good enough and work hard enough uh, but sometimes that's just bullshit, right? Like the, it's, it's not that easy um, not that hard work is easy but um, so how does, for you Maddie how does, how does being a working class and learning disabled femme affect access to mainstream arts um, or even at times to disability or queer arts?
1: Right, okay <laughs> I've got a lot right down here so i'm gonna take i'm just gonna take it and just get stuck in right Right, i'm gonna go back to education Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. this is like way over a decade ago (laughs) um uh, i went to special needs schools all my life like primary school secondary school but this is talking about secondary um uh, i think it was my second work experience that i was doing i was in fourth year i think um and basically, I was given, you know, the list of what I wanted to do, what placements there were. And it was just all, like, sort of, um, like construction, catering, working with old folks, which I actually did my the last, my first work experience, and I actually did enjoy it. Childcare, I think, mechanics and all that stuff. And I'm like, where's all the art stuff? Where's all the media sort of work placements? So I was just there and then I was like, "No, nope, nothing here I want to do. Um, so they were like, oh, but you, you need to pick something. I'm like, well, what about working in a, a radio station? Because there's a community radio station that's not that far away from me. So I was like, oh, what about that community radio station? And the reply was, oh, um, we, you can't do that. And I was like, um, what? Mm. And uh, there's like, and their reasoning for that was, OM health and safety regulations. What? So yeah, I was about like, hmm, okay. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't delve further in it. I thought I just, I'll leave it, but I'm going to be reporting it to the mother, of course. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I went back home and I'm like, I am, because like usually when I come back home to school, my mum always says, oh, how's your day been? And I'm like, eh, no no good today. And she's like, oh, what's, what's up? And I'm like, eh, Work experiences coming up again, Um, obviously my second one. And uh, I, they basically said, because I, I offered them a work placement that I could possibly do, and you know, work I'm doing at the community radio station. Yeah. Um, and they basically told me that um, health and safety regulations need to be kind of brought forward. And she's like, Oh, is that right? Oh, we'll just be getting a meeting sorted out then. So I she phoned up the school and she's like, Right, I want a meeting sorted. <laughs> and then, is- so yeah, there was a meeting. Um, Literally trying to fast forward for all this, because it's quite a long story, I'm trying to cut it down. But I'm um, going to fast forward to the meeting, and um, basically, you know, start chatting amongst ourselves, and then it kind of got down to the nitty gritty, like, the list came out again, mm-hmm. <laughs> the dreaded list of, like, um, work experience stuff. And they were like, oh, well, what about this, Matt? You know, oh, what about that? Or what about this? And by this rate, my mum was getting irritated. She was just like, you know what, like, give me out and she literally took the list and she's like and she actually ran through everything with me she's like do you want to do this and i'm like no do you want to do this no do you want to do this no and she was like do you see now they don't want to do any of these we need to get we need to come up with an alternative solution Mm. and they just looked at us and there was just silence in the room so it just got to the point where my my mum got up out of her seat and we both left the meeting room with them still in it she's like right we'll do it we'll do it ourselves then yeah. Come on, Matty, we're leaving and Zai, we, we both left, and I was just like, oh my god, like, <laughs> my mum's like a total badass. Oh, she So yeah, basically like a day or two later, she actually got a meeting set up with the radio station mm-hmm. that I wanted to do my work placement mm-hmm. at. And they were more than happy. It was a, yeah. it's a woman that works there and I think yeah. she, she probably still works there. But she was like, oh, we'd love to have them. We'd, we'd really love to have them. Uh, but she was like, well, there's one thing that you have to get over and that's um, health and safety regulations. That's what they've been saying to us. So can you get in touch with them? And I think mum wrote down like, the school's number and she's like, yeah, you know, get in touch yeah. with them or something like that. I think that's what, what happened. And then I fast forward a day or two later. Um, I got confirmation that I was able to do that work placement. Perfect. Yeah. And that was all down to my mum. Yes. Yeah, yeah. My mum I mean, like literally happened. came through for me that day, and I was just like, "Oh my god, I, I don't deserve you. I literally don't deserve you. Like literally." And I'm getting really mm-hmm. emotional when I talk about it because it's like mm-hmm. my mum's been, mum's practically been my advocate for most of my life. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously I've been a- I'm able to self advocate now. But that there's nothing wrong with other people advocating me, that's not what I'm trying to say. Like if you've got someone advocating for you, that's great. But also, you know, self advocacy is good too. I think all types of advocacy are good. That's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. But you know what I mean? Like, yeah, it was just But for a
3: child who mm-hmm. needs that person standing mm-hmm. behind them mm-hmm. and saying, This needs to be done mm-hmm. and it can happen mm-hmm. and it should. Mm-hmm. And being that the person who's Standing up and saying this needs to happen mm-hmm. when and who's when your voice is being ignored, mm-hmm, which I, is yeah, what yeah. I'm getting from yeah, what yeah you're definitely, definitely. How many People didn't have that. Yeah. Like, that's the, yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: the fact that you needed that. Oh, yeah. really. But I will say scary.
1: this: I will, I will end this debacle on a positive <laughs> note. <laughs> on a positive yeah. note, the next year, I think it was my last. I think it was my last work experience. Uh, and I was in fifth year and they actually managed to get me a work placement at the Gla- Glasgow Royal Concert Hall. That's brilliant. And that was without any... They 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 came up to me like, oh, we've got a work experience position for you at the Glasgow Royal Concert Hall. But mind you, I think, you know, that, yeah, again, that was down to my mum hang. Hank, they really, she kind of, kind of drummed it into them, really. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she kind of, like, taught them a lesson, like, right, mm-hmm. there needs mm-hmm. to be more... And they learned, you know what I mean. I will give them that. I mean, I'm not going to completely shame my school, <laughs> like, <laughs> like well, but I am not like, they did learn. They did learn. So yeah. you know what I mean. But that, yeah, again, cred, most of the credit goes yeah. to my mum, really, uh-huh. and I will say that on record. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, thanks, mum. And um, sort of financial barriers. Uh, well, I started filmmaking in 2013. Uh, had no film training or no sort of arts. Sc- well, no film school training, no art school training. Mm-hmm. I'm completely DIY and self-taught, so I basically went down to Toys R Us one day and I got like a little tiny kids' camcorder for like 21 quid, And it was like hot
2: pink. <laughs> a little
1: tiny hot pink kids' camcorder. And I made my first two films, uh, What Is Femme Anyway and Just Me. And this was a, yeah, this was in late 2013. I was 22, so a couple of years ago, about six, seven, no, six, seven years ago. I can't remember, but... Um, and my twin brother, he did the sort of camera work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that's cool. that was kind cool of the beginnings of that. I've been given a platform by film festivals such as Scottish Queer International Film Festival, whatever film festival, they're like a queer film festival in London. Oh. Oh, Kachinkachangachunga, ka-chang, <laughs> I'll figure it out. Um, and Oscar Bright, obviously, and uh, Heart and Soul, who are like a learning disability arts organisation based in London, they've kind of given me a platform. Um, and projectability as well, you know. Mm-hmm. So just to name a few, um, and also like a couple of years ago, I actually got a camcorder, like a proper camcorder. I wasn't even expecting it. I think it was my birthday, mm-hmm. and uh, my mum, my mum, my big brother, and my twin brother all clubbed money together to get me it. And, mm-hmm. and I, I was just, I was nearly in tears. I was just like, because it was a genuine, because I had been talking about it to mm-hmm. them. I'm like, oh, I need to get a new camcorder soon. but uh, money and all that mm-hmm. stuff, you know, like a proper state, mm-hmm. high state-of-the-art, well, not state-of-the-art but a high-end camcorder and I, it was like a Sony camcorder they got me right. all of them chipped in money and I was just like mm-hmm. sort of, oh, see, honestly, that what are you like? Good. But, um, yeah, it was just, it was really, really good so that, I suppose, yeah, that's part of the sort of financial barriers that I had mm-hmm. was trying to get state-of-the-art equipment yeah. because obviously, you know coming out of college with like one hundred pounds of your student loan left, you know, I was kinda like, Yeah, what am I gonna do here? So yeah, the twenty one the twenty one quid camcorder was kind of the beginning of that. But they kind of made sure that right, we'll get you we'll get you a reasonable camcorder at some point. Um and this is this is the this is my last this is my last point. You can't, I, I, isn't I, it? No but like a pure talking, pure yeah. but, um <laughs> no but I think this is a really important one. I think Personally, for me, being down in Brighton and seeing all the work that Oscar Bright has done and the fact that they've got a learning disability filmmaking community, it really makes me feel like when I come home, like there's nothing really here. Mm. And I'm just kind of like, well, it's because oh, it's, all the opportunities that I've been mostly getting have been down in England. Yeah. And that's great. That's fabulous. I'm not knocking that at all, but I don't live in England. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Don't live there. You know what I mean? So I, I, I've written down here like I want, there. I feel like there's a need for more learning disability sort of filmmaking initiatives here in Scotland mm-hmm. because I don't feel that there's enough here and I can't, basically I can't stress that enough because I'm, as I said, I'm literally having to come back home and there's, all mm-hmm. oh, right, there's nothing here, there's not a hub, yeah. um, you know, yeah, for yeah, yeah. learning disabled, not just filmmakers, but I suppose artists as well, just to kind of come together and... Maybe learn how to set up a camcorder, or do some like film training. You know, just mm-hmm. basic stuff and you know, learn how to make animation or just learn how to how shoot a scene or a mm-hmm. sequence, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think that would be really, really great. And mm-hmm. my, me and my mum have been talking about this because my mum's getting quite frustrated about it. She's mm-hmm. like, well, you live here. You, there should be really something here for you. I mean, as I said, Oscar Bright, and I won't have a bad word said against them, they've done... <laughs> Brilliant by me, and they've represented me brilliantly, and they've given me a platform. But there needs to be some here, and it's just, it's just not good enough. It mm-hmm. really isn't. And I'm, I'm you know. What I mean, sorry i sound so disappointed, but like mm-hmm. it's just like, no, there needs to be a learning disability sort of filmmaking initiative mm-hmm. here in Scotland. Mm-hmm. For so that there's
3: a community here, yeah. So that when you've been, and I hear you talking about the new way done and going to. um yeah. Oscar Bright? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and the, the that when you've been in that kind of space, mm-hmm. when you're in that kind of community, mm-hmm. when you leave it, mm-hmm. it can have a really strong sort of effect yeah. on you. The it's not like it's like...
1: A, it's a calm down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: And having a community here mm-hmm. would stop some of that happening mm-hmm. um, and maybe make it less of a huge change when mm-hmm. you go definitely. down south definitely. Um, and then have something to come home to essentially mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. 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 definitely yeah there's was a lot of stuff yeah, no, <laughs> but, <laughs> I
2: mean uh, you covered about barriers yeah so like some film festivals I mean you've been involved with um, a good collection that you talked about but like also mm-hmm. most film festivals I don't know if people know this but they charge to submit Mm -hmm. your film Um, and those include short film festivals like the ones that happen in Scotland most of them not all of them Um, and that can be a huge barrier for someone like yourself if you make a film and then you've got to put out between you know it's like 25 to 50 pounds roughly you know to every festival internationally like who
3: has that kind of cash and if you're on GSA then that is quote a quarter to a third of you weekly. And yeah, <laughs> uh, like, and and so that immediately, you know, you,
2: you've got limited screening um, capabilities. And then, of course, there's also, you know, the fact that people don't necessarily screen queer or learning disabled films, mm-hmm. as you've mentioned. So, yeah. like, get, breaking through those barriers is difficult. And I think you've hit on something really interesting talking about Scotland, because I hear this again and again from different people from different kinds of marginalized communities, mm-hmm. like, um, A lot of friends I have in the deaf community are all moving to England because there's no work here. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and why this
3: is still happening in Scotland? You know, it's still. And I finally meet another queer person of color, and they're here for four years while they go to university, (sighs) and then they go away again. It's like,
2: (sighs) yeah, 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 or
3: yeah, and or someone who's yeah queer person of colour and yeah, they're going to London because
2: that's where <laughs> all
0: the brown queers go. Oh. <laughs> it's difficult. I've actually got uh, an analogous story about the uh, white experience thing, um, I, 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 I had a fairly similar experience um, um, with applying for... Um, uh, th- 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 Telling And uh into radio course back in nineteen ninety four. Uh huh. Um and at that time I was I w I was f f f off my um, my, um, my technical theatre course, um, which was a National Certificate, and I did a, a really good job on it, so, so, so I thought uh, I'd apply for the, 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 the course, uh, uh, to tell us no, <laughs> no, and they got an interview for it, but at one point, they made me record an audio tape of me speaking into it, um. uh, to see um, how much I stammered, um. and then after that, um, I recorded that tape in a room on my own, and they came back after about 15 20 minutes the um, they must have had. I don't know a coffee and a fag or something, um, <laughs> and they and came back. from the and they. told me that I couldn't get on that course because my style. <laughs> years after, after that, I, and I worked in theatre and film behind the scenes. Um, and, um, community shows and festivals and stuff and, um, and the, when, when video. I, I, I applied to a different college and got no bother at all Brilliant. but I also applied to that other college uh, when me back in the, in, the, in the first place Mm-hmm. and they still said that oh, I will not get on the course because that's our." But I told them then that I'd be like, oh, to on, the, on, the, on, the, on, the, on the on the course. And I oh, was just doing this and trying to be basically telling them, ha, ha, I'm on a course anyway. <laughs> and it was one of the same guys that interviewed me the, 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 the first time. Wow. So I really put him right in his place. That's brilliant. Yeah.
2: I think it's interesting how you're talking about how people kind of like shut doors on you before you've even started and I think with learning disabled people and um, working class people in general. There's this idea of streaming that Mm -hmm. happens quite young Mm -hmm. a lot of the time. Mm -hmm. Like you're saying, they offer you a career, they're like, oh, you can go be a mechanic or this and that. There's any any problems with any of these things, but it's the stereotyping of like, this is what you should be doing. But it's
1: also the age as well. Most funding streams uh, are like 18 to 25, and that's the uh, cutoff. Yeah. And it's just like, no, that's no, no.
2: Yeah, so you've got yeah, you've got yeah. educational streams which are crap, and then you've got funding streams which are also crap. Because yeah, they expect everyone to be starting
0: out when they're yeah, young, I mean, definitely it's like a Um what is that crap as
3: well? <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that of uh, that streaming and those being pushed into particular um, career paths mm-hmm. says more about them than it does yeah. about the person they're trying to shove around. Uh-huh. And that Yeah, it shouldn't be like that. No, 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 definitely Um, not. Just as well, I've got a gobby mum.
0: It is very good. She's most excellent. Yeah. myself. Yeah.
2: Something I struggle with and that I've seen a lot of people talk about is like this pressure to seem as artists productive and successful Mm. online. and the reality is, as you were saying only some of us have like 10 pounds or five pounds in the bank and no work. Um, maybe we don't want to or can't work in ways that we're expected to. And we've been lying in bed for three days, but there's this pressure to appear kind of like attractive to prospective employers or um, I guess what I'd call like a, a largely middle-class arts community. It's kind of the reality of it um, in the UK and in Scotland. Um, and I feel this is kind of replicated even in disabled and queer communities a lot of the time. Um, as disabled people under austerity, we're supposed to look like we're working all the time. But then like, also we're also supposed to look like we can't do things. <laughs> and It's an impossible situation to be in if you, if you don't have privilege. And I think um, BIPOC, for listeners and readers, it's black, indigenous, and or people of color. Um, Disabled people who aren't from posh or middle class experiences are specifically targeted in a white supremacist culture that's based on all of the isms, like ableism, cis-heterosexism, classism. And I thought maybe, um, Shafiq, you might want to talk about Edinburgh specifically, uh, although you do move between Edinburgh and Glasgow, so um, feel free to expand. Um, but how you feel about how mainstream arts are structured in Edinburgh and in Scotland, and how that impacts on bipoc working class queer and trans
3: people um, in, in Edinburgh um, I've a friend who's um, looking to get funding for work at the moment, and yeah they're, they're the choices in Edinburgh are, are you doing something for the festival? Are you doing something for um, the art school, or the art college? Um, or are you going to do something with um, very little support and backing and on a shoestring for um, some of the groups of people who don't, who live there all year round um, and are not going to put something together for you know, half the expletive deleted from London to come and see in one month of the year, mm-hmm. um, that all the money, all the attention, all the yeah funding, but also um, exposure, <laughs> um, gets squished into a very narrow space of time when the people who Live in Edinburgh and are doing things all the time, get forgotten about. It's yeah. almost a. It's yeah. It's almost a two or multi-tier system
0: where it's a
3: yeah, where you have you know the the proper artists if you can um, who are, you know have you know a pile of money from mummy or daddy or have access to resources yeah. that mm-hmm. other people don't have who. You know, we're able to raise a thousand pounds to put on a show at the Fringe, as opposed to someone who is like, "Well, that is a sixth of my annual income." That that's not something that the number of dreams that never get past the space between someone's ears, because there's not much point in thinking about it. There's no way I can afford it. Um, when it comes to um, BIPOC um, activities and representation spaces. There uh, is, let me see. I have one, maybe two queer POC meetups in Edinburgh per year. That that's it. Um, there are a couple of people who I know as personal friends who I see on occasion. Um but that is relatively recent. Um at, there is a group now called Vogue Scotland which mm, I heard of them, uh, Yeah. I dance and mm. not mm-hmm. up to standard. I walked at my first ball um oh, in oh, October. Okay. Um, but <laughs> I wasn't up to standard, the judges chopped me. Oh, um but <laughs> they came I got it's one of those things that Vogue and ballroom culture yeah. is, you know, actually, you probably get this as well, that you get feedback, mm-hmm. and even when it hurts <laughs> to be told that you didn't <laughs> make the grade, you get really, you know, really useful feedback on what you need to work on, where you went wrong, where you can go next. Um, and Dancing with Vogue Scotland um, has more than doubled the number of queer POC I know in Scotland, which um, five, ten years ago, the nearest um, LGBT POC I knew of were in London. Some of those things were going on, but the the communication of that, the outreach aspect, Mm -hmm. finally reached me. Um, and it's like, yes, yes, I can go and be viciously, violently queer with other people and not be the brown person in the room, which, you know, I'm sure um, under other um, people will understand that being that person who is representing mm-hmm. so much Sort of you know being the div- diverse person in the corner yeah
1: yeah, yeah that there there's a lot of pressure there yeah it's so exhausting. much pressure because it's like oh well, you're the you're the
3: token this
1: or you're the token yeah. that yeah. so there's there's that added pressure because it's like well it's not like it's hard because you might say well I never asked for it but then you're automatically yes. you're sure. kind of automatically yeah. put on uh, the yes. and, so yeah. and you're the monolith right because yeah. it's like you
2: you represent everybody from <laughs> <laughs> everybody, <laughs> everybody. <laughs> and Respect. what you say is the final word yeah. so yes. don't mess yeah, it up <laughs> I, I know the feeling <laughs> yeah
3: totally um, uh, um, but I mean it's something in Scotland they're are, I mean something, in Edinburgh particularly, there are not the as there are fewer um, per head of population people of colour mm-hmm. um, and it's something that I often come back to is that um, I think I mentioned earlier that a lot of the POC in Edinburgh are students mm-hmm. and right. they may or may not decide to settle here right. but there, it's an extra barrier to creating community, uh-huh. that you know, and you can connect with someone uh-huh. and share experience, but no, not know if they're still going to be around in ten years' time. Uh-huh. And that when you know, you know, I live in Scotland, I live in Edinburgh, uh-huh. I'm not going anywhere uh-huh. anytime soon. Uh-huh. And that you know, that feeling that some people will come and go, and I'm still going to be here. Uh-huh. And though that also comes back to what Matty was Mm -hmm. saying about DIY, that if there's going to be a community, because I'm the one who's going to be here, Mm -hmm. I'm going to have to be the one who, well, don't have to, but Mm -hmm. if I make something, it will still be here. Mm -hmm. If someone else does it, it, it's something that they may take with them when they leave. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And as so many people of colour in Scotland do, that... We go away somewhere and go, actually, I'm gonna stay here. <laughs> you know, <laughs> okay. in you know, um, I've noticed when visiting, you know, sort of Manchester, Birmingham, Leicester, visiting Leicester was my probably my first experience of being in place with a lot of British Asian people, mm-hmm. and it was a really transformative experience in some ways because I got off the bus and I realised that there's, I realised thinking about it later, that there's something that I do and um, there's a look. When you see another person of colour, a black person, um, an Asian person, um, you make eye contact. Mm -hmm. There's, There's that moment of connection. You get off the train in Leicester, you're doing that to everyone <laughs> on the street and they think you're weird. <laughs> why is this boy this guy looking at everyone? I mean, you know, I, I, I didn't realise what I... I'd been having this behaviour. Um, and it was actually... It took me years and several visits to London to realise, oh, that, that... I now realise why that... So of getting off the trip and going to Bikon was so strange because I was moving through an environment that I'd never experienced mm. where the white people or white passing people were in the minority. Okay has just
2: um, psychically connected with me on the fact that that um, we are getting close to the end of our time. And um, she suggested that this question maybe could go out to everybody as we wrap up. But what kind of art world would we like to have in Scotland and the world instead of what we have? Like, What are some dreams that we'd like to see um, come true here? I mean, I think from what you've all said, we can kind of guess a few of them. Like... You know, people staying. <laughs>
3: <Yeah>. <laughs> but. And more access for people who don't have resources. Mm-hmm. Um, more groups and communities coming together That's and making spaces. That's mm-hmm. a big
0: one. Um, yeah. Um, if if it was just. Um, more, 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 more. Communities start off doing, say, local look, look, panels, uh, uh, things which are just, you know, for the community, can be anything. Um, and more of those things start happening here in Scotland, it would make a huge difference. doesn't matter what yeah. thing is, um, yeah, uh, whether it's like with, say, a rating group or Groups. there's got to be more. There's got to be more of those things, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and then to that will hopefully fill up to the fun uh, um, thinking and Oh, we could uh, apply some funding streams there, maybe, and then and then I think. Well, there's also there who've got quite a lot of talent doing X, Y, or Z, so, so we could employ them doing to tell her and maybe possibly create an actual industry
2: I'd love to see a space
3: like an actual community centre for yeah a community art space that isn't dependent on when the building or space gets sold off to developers because that is something that I've seen in Edinburgh I'm sure it happens in Glasgow as well where you know Some um, uh, group or community space um, lose access to the place that they were working out of. Mm. Try and find a place to set up, and they're offered, usually by local authority, um, a place that is probably you know old office space Mm. that is about yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, Well, it's happening now with St Margaret's House as well, which is where all of the Mm-hmm. Um and what happens is this you know, it's it's once you've seen it happen several times, you go yeah, they get offered a space on the understanding that at some point the land will be going out to development. Mm-hmm. Um, and they spend time and money and energy and people put their hearts and souls into a space and then it starts coming around to developers and big piles of money. Um, and, um, what's the word for it, Um, planning applications going out and going, yes, we're going to build another 5,000 student flats um, that will be little pasteboard boxes for lots of piles of money Um, and then having, you know, not just the artists but the communities that they're embedded in Standing up and going, no, we don't want to lose this space. This brings value to us. And then, you know, the community then comes together to fight, to save the space. Mm -hmm. But money talks. Mm -hmm. And eventually Mm -hmm. um, that space disappears and you have to find another place Mm -hmm. for everything to move to. Mm and with
2: gentrification
0: that's becoming harder yeah. and harder In especially room, with Airbnb to and Edinburgh my god yeah, uh, with Mooooooo with Mooooooo when you talk about that also applies to us at the the shitting end that's better to uh, this, 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 this of true. because we've got bills to pay em mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. faus to keep um
3: and that's, we don't have the resources to yeah. go. Oh, we'll just find, raise the money ourselves because um, yeah. y- you don't have. You, yeah.
0: you get the folk going, you do this big project, and like, and how much am we getting paid? Well, are not getting. But <laughs> is that. Um, because our situation we have to talk yourself or them into hiring you or not hiring you been or this yeah. Because at some point, I don't know what I'm saying. I not You get this big like, okay, whatever. It's it's yeah. Yeah. It's yeah,
2: it's, it's a tough one. I think councils and arts councils need to be putting. Money into spaces yeah. like smaller spaces, and you know, it, it's interesting to see how the arts have changed in the past, even twenty years. Like things are focused in a way that have gone away from people having their own spaces, mm. and everything's about touring or really, really big spaces getting yeah. lots of funding and supposedly
3: representing everyone, which we know doesn't happen. Yeah. <laughs> so trickle down know. economics yeah. doesn't work with representation, just the way it doesn't work with money. That's true. Mm. Totally Did you want to answer that? I just
1: think it's a total geographical shift. As I said, yeah. most of the stuff just seems to be happening down in England. Yeah. And mm-hmm. it's just a total like, no, we we need to do more stuff here. Mm-hmm. As I mean, as mm-hmm. we've as we've all said, really, mm-hmm. it's just like it's just not good enough. Uh-huh. It, it really, really isn't. And it's the sort of financial sort of hierarchies that are sort yeah. of happening. It's like oh, we we the sort of self taught DIY sort of sort of artists, because we're marginalised, mm. we are like right at the bottom, mm. Mm. because we're at a sort of, no, well, I suppose at an independent level, yeah. because we haven't, yeah. some of us might not have had, like, or all of us haven't had, like, this sort of formal education, or, you know, we just haven't had that, so we're having to, like, literally just get off our backsides we're and do it ourselves, like aye, yeah. mm-hmm. aye.
2: Yeah, and Creative Scotland spent so much money s- sending Scottish projects elsewhere, which I think has its own importance or whatever, but it's a sort of way of branding what's best about Scotland, you know, well. whatever. Um, but they, they're not putting enough money into mm. what's happening, you know, in these communities s- and, yeah. and here in Scotland I, I, it's sustaining
0: that. I used to talk to making films... Not two years after Transporting came out, there was a big Transport effect. That was called at the Transport effect, and there was a surge, in Scottish from making, especially the the low end. Um. ...community. From it, and that was part of that, and that was fantastic. But mm-hmm. I think you always kind of knew it was not going to last.
2: Well, you've all been absolutely brilliant, and I, I could talk to you all afternoon for hours more. But we have to wrap it up. Yeah, and we've now. only got exactly. so much battery power. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 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 but we can um, we can you know go off and continue our conversations from somewhere else. Um, thank you to everyone who's listening or reading this podcast. This has been Disability and dot, 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 working class, LGBTQIA+, and some other things, including in Scotland. <laughs> um, I'm Sam Allen, guest editor at Disability Arts Online from 30th of March to 26th of April, and you've been listening to or reading the words of the fab, Shafiq Gafour, Maddie Kennedy, and Kate
3: Lauder, I can't. Visit greyeye.org and disabilityarts.online for details of productions, events, interviews, opinions, reviews and learning opportunities.